And we know that rabbinical commentaries can sometimes be beautiful, but when it comes to understanding of the messianic message of the Bible, which is the core message of the Bible, which is the revelation, the incarnation of God in the Bible, they don't translate it the way that we would agree. What are the opportunities and challenges ministries and people are encountering in Israel? Partnering with the work of God in Israel through the believers there is important. Despite Israel being the birthplace of Jesus, there's still so much to be done in sharing the love of Jesus with them. Hi, and welcome to this episode of Inside the Epicenter with Joel Rosenberg, a podcast of the Joshua Fund, a ministry dedicated to blessing Israel and her neighbors in the name of Jesus. Today, we want to present a special episode of Jeremy Grafman, Victor Kalisher, and Wayne Peterson as they talk about the body of believers in Israel, how they function, and how they've progressed, along with the challenges and opportunities available in ministry in Israel. Take a listen. Maybe you could give us a better glimpse, uh, gentlemen, about the dynamics of ministry in Israel, the challenges, maybe some of the things that we, when we come in as tourists, we don't see. And uh, just tell us about the body of believers and how they function and some of the opportunities and challenge. I'll start with you, uh, Jeremy. Well, actually, I'm going to pass it along. I'm, oh. I'm mostly an observer, uh, a keen watcher. Um, and so I'll share, I'll feel free to share um, plenty. But Victor, you, you're living the dream. You're, okay. You're, <laughs> okay, so you stop me when the time is uh, right. Okay. But um, it is exciting. I think that when you ask this question, what's on my heart to say that it is exciting because it is something new that the Lord is doing. I grew up all my life in Israel, growing up as a child with hardly any believers in the land, not at school and in the congregation, maybe just few in my age. We knew everyone. And now to live and to see the second generation, the third generations of believers seeing that there are full families of believers in Israel. This is something totally new. There was, it was never like that. You would have a believer that came to faith and all the challenges that he will have with the family that are not believers. Now we have full families of believers growing their children in faith, being a testimony in the society. So it is exciting. It is exciting to take part in building this local body, to be able to produce a Bible, a cross-reference Bible, for the first time. In English, you have hundreds of study Bibles and cross-reference Bibles. You have a study Bible for women that like pink colors, and you have a study Bible to uh, people that like cats. I'm not, I mean, you have all these, and, and thank God for the variety. We don't have any in Hebrew. Think about it. It's the language of the Bible, and there are no cross-reference uh, Bibles. So we produce a cross-reference Bible that people can study the Bible through the Bible. In our context, it's even more special because Jews, traditionally, they learn the Bible through rabbinical commentaries. And we know that rabbinical commentaries can sometimes be beautiful, but when it comes to understanding of the messianic message of the Bible, which is the core message of the Bible, which is the revelation, the incarnation of God in the Bible, they don't translate it the way that we would agree, right? So to give them this opportunity and to see that people came to faith because of that. A pastor of a congregation in Jaffa, we share this Bible with them there, 
And then a month later, he came to Jerusalem, he came to the Bible Society, and he said, Victor, I just wanted to come and let you know that there was a student there, that he was there when you shared about this new Bible, and you gave us some. And then he asked for one, and he read, we have an index of Messianic or uh, Old Testament prophecies, and now they are fulfilled in, the, in Christ. He read this section, and he came to faith. For me, it's like the five years of working on this Bible, that's it. I'm, I'm paid for that. For me, it was so rewarding. And if you allow me again, uh, we did the audio Bible that uh, was mentioned before. And a new believer came to the Bible Society and she said, I'm a new believer, can I have a Bible? I said, of course, would love to. And it was just before, uh, after we finished the audio Bible. So I told her, I, wait, I have something to let you to listen to. So I put this on the CD and it's starting on and she started to jump and cry and laugh all at the same time. And I was looking at her and I was thinking, okay. And she's noticed my face probably. She said, no, 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 you don't understand. I'm, I'm ADD. It is so hard for me to understand the Bible by reading. But now I could understand. Now I could understand. So things like that, that maybe here are things that you are uh, used to. It's like we have it. It's very new. We're building something new. And it is not only to build the local body, the 30,000 that you mentioned, and it is growing, but it is to reach out to all the society. Because everyone and thousands, tens of thousands and more, are listening to this audio Bible on the internet through different website of One of Israel, of Yeshua.com, of my brother's congregation, and others that are making it available. It's literally faith comes by hearing. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. It's true. And there are so many stories I'd love to share, but I know that time is limited. Two things you just touched on, Victor, too. The, the relative youth of the body in Israel, youth, not all young people, but it, it's new. It's fairly new. That's hard for us to, to, get, our to get our hearts and minds around, and that has some impact. You know, you'll forgive me, but sometimes the analogy for me is, is a, a D-Day analogy. You know, the, the pioneers, your father and others, you know, were those who literally hit the beaches and clung on. And anywhere they were, they drew incredible fire and difficulty and persecution. And for them, just staying and hanging in and being there for long enough was, you know, significant accomplishment in the Lord. And, you know, they were the heroes of the faith for it. Now there's, there's a season where it's clearly time to be beyond that. And there's, you know, so much more that the Lord wants to do through the body. And as the body grows and is more established, that's possible. The other aspect that I think is, was hard for me to come to terms with, but it's very impactful in what has to happen and how it happens is you, you talked about the growth of the body, much through evangelism, thankfully. Um, the Lord is opening doors and hearts, but a lot of it is also so through growth, um, through immigration, Joel and Lynn's story, and thousands and thousands of others like them. And so for those who come into the country who are already believers or who come to faith soon, there's some real challenges. You know, some have come from Ethiopia um, speaking Amharic, some from Russia speaking primarily Russian. If they're older folks you know, speaking from that camp, um, the likelihood of them becoming fluent in Hebrew to the extent that they'll be a meaningful part of the body that's already there is not very high. So you have um, 
smaller factions of, of the body, not because they don't want to be together, but because there's no necessarily ability for them to, to join in. And so that, that has an effect. That, re, that means that there's a need for materials like a, a Russian Hebrew Bible. So now you're not just helping people grow in their depth in the Bible. You're helping them come from one language and culture into another. Huge um, hurdles, and they take time. One of the key things with that, specifically Russian and Amharic, the Ethiopian Amharic speakers, when they've come to the country and they have a significant population of older people, the congregations are really torn. The pastors, those who want to minister as they have in the past, feel a a proper obligation to preach the word and continue loving and shepherding those older folks, but the children in the congregation all will go the way that uh, Victor's and Etty's children and, and Joel and Lynn's children have gone. They'll be in the IDF. They'll pick up a new language like Hebrew almost by osmosis, and there's a very real draw for them away from that congregation. It's not a negative desire, but it can have a very negative impact. And so these are all of these things are happening in the body at once. Very, very challenging, very complicated. It's very true, and... Uh I think that uh, your work, Joshua Fund, uh, a lot of, does a lot of work with the young generation of believers is so important because, as we heard also before, they share their faith uh, in a much easier way and they have much more opportunities to share uh, their faith. Because, you know, we when we grow up, yesterday I became 55, as you know, you know, we meet with one-on-one, one-on-two, but they are going to a party. They meet seven, eight friends together. They sit together in the, in the army or uh, in, in the university and share their faith. And we see more and more young Israelis come to faith. I came home uh, recently and my daughter invited some friends to pray for her because she was going on some kind of an assignment. And I saw someone that I did not recognize, and I asked about him, and he's an Israeli soldier, came to faith by another soldier serving with him. And another similar case with my niece, that a friend of her in the army came to faith through her. So it is so important to work with them. And with the new immigrants, we need materials for outreach in different languages, in Amharic, to reach out to the Ethiopian Jews, in Russian, because they came maybe in a later age in their lives, not one that they can easily learn the language. Their uh, heart language is still Russian, Amharic, and French, so many French Jews. So we need to be able to share the gospel with them and help them read the Bible in their own language, but also in Hebrew, so that when they go to a congregation, they can correlate to what is happening. They can listen and check in Hebrew or if it's limited right now in another language, in their language, and so on. And, and people do come to faith. One added aspect of the youth ministry, as Esther shared uh, yesterday, as she was young, that was so vital to her growth and encouragement just for the fellowship that it provided. But it's so important for some of these kids. This may be the first or only time in very long stretches that they're being well-fed, well-equipped in their faith that they want to stand in. And so, again, just key moments where now this very diverse body can come together and the youth are, they're all different, but they're all the same. They're all growing in the Lord, being equipped. And so it's a huge privilege to think that you could in any way encourage the men and women who are giving their lives for that. Really tremendous.
Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Our verse of the day today is found in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. And our prayer requests today are, number one, pray that the gospel continues to spread across the nation of Israel and the entire Middle Eastern region. And second, pray that resources are available to support churches, ministers, and believers in Israel to live out and proclaim their faith. Very, very encouraging to hear all this and how viral the sharing of the faith is beginning to be. Uh, obviously, Christians in the West, Christians in the U.S. and Canada particularly have a lot of interest in what's happening in the church. And uh, this group included, that's why we're here. We're interested in what God is doing in Israel. How much of that is helpful? Uh, what are some of the negatives of, uh, of putting uh, evangelism and discipleship in Israel in such a public way? How would you uh, describe that? So, first of all, it's very encouraging when you know that so many people are interested and that they are praying and engaged in that. It is really, for me, every time that I see that, I thank the Lord. I thank the Lord that we serve in unity. We need you. We need the prayers. We need the support and we need the help. And I think it is the richness of the wisdom of God that he does it in a way that no one can just do it by himself. So I think it is important to get educated on what is uh, is happening. And part of what we are doing here is sharing and educating and so on. And I think that it is also very special that there are ministries like Joshua Fund that can be a bridge between the people in North America and other countries to what is happening in Israel. Because I lead a ministry, and I know how demanding it is. It is really demanding. It is day and night for years. And I'm not saying that so that you feel pity on me. I thank the Lord for that, truly. I thank the Lord for that. But that's what it requires. And then all the work that needs to be done with also meeting, you know, people that want to help you even. You know, they want to help, but it means relationships and time that I love to do. But it takes time. It's, uh, and time is the most valuable uh, resource that we have. And yes, I do want you to come. Come and visit. I'd love to sit with you uh, over a coffee and meet and all of that. But also to have this help from a, a, an organization such as Joshua Fund that does a lot of work basically for us. I mean, a lot of it is for, to the, for the Lord through us that together we can do uh, such a work. It is so helpful. So uh, I appreciate that very much. Yeah, de- definitely a world of double-edged sword. It's so encouraging that as we recognize in Scripture, having received spiritually from the Jewish people, we have uh, a debt 
practical and and spiritual to support the work of ministry there and to uh, provoke to jealousy. Uh, but yes, that there, there's just a volume problem at times. There are a lot of us and not as many of them. Um, and and there's also um, financial challenge in country. You know, they, it's said that less than five percent of the uh, believing uh, the congregations in the country are self-sufficient. So what does that mean? That means that, you know, because as Esther described, you know, many, and Lynn, I think as well, many are vocational, bivocational, they're working, they're also ministering, they're elders, pastors, you know, in their spare time, the congregations have a, just a, a significant difficulty keeping going. Nobody's excited to give Messianic believers a place to worship. So when they can find it, it's typically very expensive. And so the dynamic that that creates, picture going home to your own congregation, your pastor, who is already as busy as he can be, now also task him with the challenge of either traveling the planet to you know generate and cultivate relationship that will lead to a responsible support, or he has to, at a minimum, entertain you know a, a never-ending stream of um, folks coming to hear, and they want to know. And again, it that's not a, a criticism. It's just as those who are coming in, uh, a real, we have a, a responsibility to know what that effect is and to, and to be careful. If if I also may add to that, I think that uh, it is very helpful to have ministries that come and come alongside you in a strategic way. It is not a one-time engagement because many times our projects are projects that need to be carried out through years. Uh, When you produce an annotated Bible, a Bible that local Israelis will finally be able to understand their own word of God, it doesn't take three months. It's four or five years' work. And uh, sometimes with uh, challenges of, uh, you know, resources and not only funds, but people sometimes to work on that and many other things that comes along the way. So it is so important to have a a ministry that comes along and stays there. It's not a one-time visit and then goodbye, we're going somewhere else. It is a ministry that is dedicated to the area, to the place, to the people, to the vision, and uh, it's very important. I was just going to add real quickly, uh, one of the things I get to do when I go is li- I listen. I try to listen well. Early on, our team heard from a local believer. So so picture all of this uh, influx, uh, new immigrants, those maybe new to the faith or n- discovering you know the, the depth of their Jewish identity as they follow Jesus. And add into that, this interest sometimes comes right into the congregation, especially if you're uh, in a city that's accessible and visible. And so we heard from, you know, a fairly young uh, believer, and he just said, listen, this is what it's, there's times where I come into my own congregation, and there's more of them than us. There's more tourists, there's more people visiting than there are people who are from the congregation, and I feel like I get lost. I, you know, I would venture to guess that none of your congregations at home have a sign that says no photos or video during worship. But there are congregations in Israel that have that. Well, why do they have that? Because we come, and again, we're, we're rightly excited. It, it is amazing, but we lose, we lose perspective of you know, why we're there and who's there and how that's all impacting. They're so excited <laughs> to see us that that uh, it feels weird. And, and I've heard some of those young people say, I, I can't fellowship there because it, it doesn't feel like us. You know, I, they, they have that very narrow window of opportunity to recharge and be fed and equipped and fellowship, and, and we're there being us. So, again, it's not wrong. We just need to be cautious and understand that. But it's not wrong. I, I feel that I have to say it. We yeah. love you. Yeah. We want you to come. 
Don't misunderstand me. I'm the American, you're the Israeli. We love you. Somewhere and, in here is the truth. We want you, uh, yeah, we, we want you to come, of course. And we are growing and we'll have one time mega churches and you can come by the thousands. <laughs> well, and we're seeing great openness. You know, we read in scripture how they have, you know, blinds on their eyes type of thing. But that is beginning to change, it seems like, especially among the younger generation. You're seeing a new openness to the gospel. That's great. I, I can uh, maybe just give an encouraging story about that. Uh, there is a, a, an immigration now in the last few years uh, specifically of uh, French Jews because of the growing anti-Semitism, especially in, in France. And um, some tens of thousands of them came to Israel in the last uh, few years, so much so that if you go in Netanya, it's a town that they like to visit on the beach, you may not hear Hebrew. I'm not joking. You may not hear Hebrew, and I'm not exaggerating. Uh, anyways, uh, one day a lady came to the Bible Society, uh, from uh, originally from France, and she, I was uh, there at the store, and she says, can you teach me Isaiah 53? I said, sure, I would love to. And I was sitting with her and going over Isaiah 53, and she starts crying. And she says, look what we've done, look what we've done. How come the rabbis don't see that? And I'm telling her, you know, it's about, it's not only to read the text, it's the, uh, the work of the Holy Spirit in your heart to convince you. And that's what God has done in your heart so that you can see that. And then she tells me, she says, I feel like a curtain was removed from before my eyes. Mm. And she was crying and and, uh, she said, how can I know more? How can I know more? Mm. And we just finished the production of a French Hebrew Bible at that time. And I gave her a Bible. And just when we were speaking, the pastor of the King of Kings Church came in with his wife. And I invited him to the conversation and so on. And it was so beautiful to see a new immigrant coming to faith and so open. And we know that God brings them basically in order to reveal themselves to them. So mm. when we see that, we also need to get ready for that. So yeah. we produce the French Hebrew. And God willing, our plan is to produce a Portuguese Hebrew now because we see more Portuguese-speaking Jews mm. come to Israel from Brazil you know, and, and other countries. So it is exciting, and we thank the Lord for that. Well, it reminds us how much this is the work of the Holy Spirit. We, we do our part, but it's really the Holy Spirit that opens the eyes. That's right. We heard a lot about in the previous panel from, uh, about the persecution that comes when uh, Muslim background believers come to follow Jesus. What about Hebrew speakers, Jews, that come to recognize uh, Yeshua Mashiach? Is there a persecution? So there are pressures, I would call it. I wouldn't say persecution in the sense that there is an immediate danger to your life. But in some areas, some geographical places where there, is, there are more uh, Orthodox Jews in these city, town, community, then they would organize uh, things against the local uh, congregation. So in Arad, for a long time, there were many uh, demonstrations and disturbances and threats uh, and other things against the local, the small local community there that was growing. And they are afraid. I can understand, in, in a way, I can understand them. They are saying, well, you know, finally we have our Jewish state. The Jews are coming here. They want to exercise and live their own faith quietly without persecution. And now you come even here to protelize us and to kill us spiritually and so on. That's the way they see that. So there are places, like recently in Ashdod, they wanted to, uh, to build a, a congregation. They're having a lot of problems with the municipality. So it's not from the government, but it is 
people in local authorities that have the power to, uh, uh, you know, to disturb and to stop things, which they do. I remember that my brother uh, was, uh, and they were, his congregation were trying to find a place, and he called the municipality because they need allowance to use a specific property for that purpose. You cannot just take a place and say, okay, we'll build the church here. And he called, and the guy in charge at the, in the municipality, he said, he told him, on my dead body, you're going to have a church there. And I'm sorry to say, but this person, he passed away. He died. I mean, I, I don't want to laugh at, at that, but that's what happened. He died, and they could open a church there. So, but it is not easy. Okay, I remember growing up, the car of our pastor was, was bombed. So it is not like that anymore. Our, our church were, was burnt twice. Today, there is much more openness. Even some of the organizations that are anti-missionary, it's called, they changed their strategies. Not to use violence and so on, because they saw that it is actually helping us. It's, yeah, so, uh, so basically, they, it's not like that. But we need to be wise. We need to have a good testimony, and we want to do it in a sensitive way. Did you want to I was just going to add, yeah, I think that's one of the things we've observed among the local congregations when we first, you know, began coming alongside uh, 10, 11, 12 years ago, especially among the Messianic congregations, they were pretty quiet. They knew each other, uh, but they weren't in any way looking to be known. And, and over this period of time, that's part of how you can tell things have relaxed is now the congregations, you know, many of them have a website and you can find out where they are and when you can, you know, visit them. And that's a, that's a pretty significant change. Um, and, it, and it's also helpful to, to the body to grow and to, uh, to see that. They, I think they feel freer to be who they are and do what the Lord's called them to do, which is super encouraging. As, as I said, there is openness, and we need to use this opportunity, but we also to, need to be wise. Sometimes to go and shout in the middle of Orthodox uh, uh, neighborhood, Jesus is the Lord, might not be the wisest thing. And you can achieve, you can achieve, and some groups from abroad, they come and that's what they would do, it exactly. And then they come and they run to the Bible Society with all the religious after them, and they think, okay, you brought them here. I mean, I'm not ashamed of them, and, and that's okay. But we also need to be wise because we stay there a long time. And we want to have a good testimony before the Lord, first of all, and also to our society to, so that they really know who we are and what we uh, believe in, that they can have relationship with us, can feel free to come and ask questions. I'd like to ask each of you, what, are, what would you see are the, uh, just a few minutes left, the most urgent need for the body of believers in, in Israel? What would you say would be the number one need? I think that uh, to help us uh, grow, to allow uh, young believers to study, uh, to be discipled, to be mentored, so that these are the next generations that will lead the local believers. So we want to invest in them, uh, definitely to use the time for outreach, evangelization, and uh, building more, providing more resources in Hebrew for the growth of the local body wider and deeper. All of these things are, are very important for us. Okay, we're going to pray for these needs in just a moment, but Jeremy as well. Yeah, I was right. just going to add briefly to that. I, I think it's not all the congregations, but in many, um, a need for vision for this very thing, for uh, ministry to be entrusted to younger folks so that uh, those who are being gifted and stirred and called to the Lord can find their place in the body so there can be um, outreach locally and beyond. I think one of the things we've seen that's so encouraging but has been missing for 
for so long in a young church is a real vision for what we in the States would consider missions. You know, many of us familiar with a, a missions mindset of a local congregation. And interestingly, though, though the believers who are there are largely a product of somebody else's missions vision, you know, at the Lord's and some other congregations, Within the body, currently, there isn't really that vision. It, again, it's partly because they're new, and so they, all of their time and energy has been focused on, let's be here, let's stay here. But that's established, and there's a new group of young people who really are hearing from the Lord and sensing. Not, they're not signing up for a program, but they're being stirred to step forward. And when you think about it, there's never been really a more responsible group of believers on the planet. You now have born-again, Hebrew-speaking, Jewish Israelis who are living in the land, there's never been a a group of people more responsible to go to all the nations to proclaim Mm -hmm. the Jewish Messiah than these, than these folks. And we're blessed to see it happening. It's the Lord's doing, it's his timing, it's his enabling, but we we really are excited to see that happening and would encourage us to pray into that very thing that they would go forth and that they would go forth as Arab and Jew together. Because I think that's clearly what needs to be seen. This is extremely helpful for us to better understand the state of the church in the land. Thank you for listening to this episode and learning more about how to partner with local believers in Israel and how Israel is changed over time. If you found this podcast really valuable, please get in touch with us. Let us know who you are. Do you have a question you want Joel to answer? Send any comments you have to podcast at joshuafund.net. Your feedback is incredibly valuable as we develop this podcast. And as always, you can check your show... And as always, you can check our show notes for anything you heard on this podcast that you'd like more information on. For Joel Rosenberg and the entire Joshua Fund ministry team, I'm Carl Muller. Thanks for listening to this episode of Inside the Epicenter with Joel Rosenberg. This, this is my skyship dreamer. My cargo is stories, and our destination, dreams. With Abide Sleep Stories for Kids, you can help your children fall asleep fast and learn about God. To find these kids' bedtime stories, go to lifeaudio.com or search your favorite podcast app for Abide Stories for Kids. You can also download the Abide app for more biblical meditations at abide.com.